From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Episode 18. Welcome back to the Grouch and the Brainstorm. I'm Mike. And here tonight with me is, I have Matt. Hey. I have Ben. What's up? Hayden. Hey. And Jill. Hey, guys. And we're here to talk about step five. Or anything you want to talk about. How about that? Um, so we've been leading into step five for the past uh, to at least two episodes where we've talked about integrity. Um, Matt's our integrity champion. Evidently. Talked about integrity. And then we talked about, um, oh, what was that other one we talked about leading into it? We had integrity and we had. Why are you making me think? What was the one before integrity? Selfishness. Selfishness. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Ben. See, we, we don't come prepared to this thing. Um, we talked about integrity. We talked about selfishness, all leading into step five and the importance of getting a good fifth step in there. You know, so it'd be the, it'd be the equivalent of, uh, oh, I don't know, going in and have surgery and only having part of whatever it is removed when you could have the whole thing removed. You know, that's the thoroughness part of it anyway. And I, I couldn't think of anything better to compare it to. So um, step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph out of this uh, 12 and 12. And it says, all of AA's 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than five. But scarcely any step is more necessary to long-term sobriety and peace of mind than this one. It tells you right there in that one opening paragraph how important this thing is, right? And, you know, we hear the, the fear of step five, four, I'm sorry. We hear about fear of step four and all this other stuff that goes on in, in the rooms of AA. And the truth is, I think this one would probably be, um, for me anyway, would be my, the one I really just didn't want to do. Um, with me and my sponsor, we didn't just take my fourth step and read it and call it a fifth step. You know, we, we did a fourth step. We looked at all the stuff on the fourth step, but then we had to move to the fifth step, right? And that's where I just basically sat down with him and told him all of my life story or as much of it as I wanted him to know, you know, and I've mentioned on the previous episode that I did leave something out. I would not recommend that. Um, if you're not willing to do that, pray for willingness until you can do that, you know, and there's a lot that goes into step, step four, you know, step five is really just at doing this, this little bit, you know, it's a confession, so to speak. I don't want to call it confession. I don't want to, um, knock on anybody's religious ceremonies but uh, it is a confession and um, we talk about it and we get as thorough I think the big book says that we every nook and cranny lighten enlighten on some I, I don't want to paraphrase but that's basically what it says we hit every nook and cranny and um, and I'll talk about my fifth step last as I usually do so We'll go around the room and we'll talk about your fifth step. Not, not. We don't want to talk about your fifth step, by the way. We don't. We don't need to hear gory details, right? I'm sure the listeners would not mind, <laughs> but that is not the purpose of it. Actually, what we want to talk about is just the process of the fifth step. You know, this is how I did it. You know, some people, you know, go to great lengths. Where, you know, they'll they'll go on a trip for a weekend with a sponsor, right? And that'll be their fifth step. Some people just meet at the club and. Spend however long it takes to get all that stuff out, right? So, um, Hayden, why don't we start with you tonight? You uh, you prepared to start? 
Yeah, 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 I can share. Let's do it. Um, so I'm gonna reference my fourth step a little bit because uh, they kind of lead into each other. Um, I struggled from the moment that I sat down and I had the fourth step lined out for me. Um, you know, I had this fear that I had a hard time identifying, uh, because I'd never done an inventory and I wasn't very self-aware. And, uh, the fear was justified by the thoughts of, well, men don't do this. You know, that was something that I told myself. Men don't uh, like to just sit and talk yeah. about their, okay, I got you. Well, got you. well, not, not only that, I was, the fear was of the fifth step because as far as the fourth step went, I was just writing it down. But, um, I found myself taking an extended period of time just to write down each and every one of, uh, these columns. And, uh, what was going on was, um, I was trying to formulate my words in such a way that the the respect that I thought I had from my sponsor would be intact after my fifth step. Um, oh, he's trying to sugarcoat it. Yes. I was sugarcoating, not only sugarcoating it, but I wanted him to feel pity for me. It was like, you know, these are terrible things. And I, man, I would have drank and used just the same as you, if that would have happened to me, poor you. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, that's what I wanted from, uh, from my fifth step. But I, I talked to someone in the program because I, I really didn't know what was going on with me at the time. And, uh, you know, he's been sober for a long time. And uh, I told him that I was having a hard time uh, writing my inventory. And I, I told him what, exactly what I just told John. And uh, he said, man, it's because uh, you're full of crap. You know, uh, you know all of these things to be true. So why are you having a hard time writing them down? And from that point on, uh, I just I, I wrote it as honestly as I could. And I started with the hard things first. Uh I felt like I just needed to say that before I got into my fifth step. So um, at this point in my recovery, I was not in a good place at all. Uh, you know, I was only a couple months in and there was just no relief up to this point. I think that I might have had one good night uh, right whenever I got into sober living because I felt safe for the first time in a long time. But, um, you know, if I hadn't, gotten into the fourth and fifth step and actually done them, uh, man, I don't know where I'd be today because, um, you know, I was just, I was, I was really been out of shape, uh, especially at that time. There was just, there was nothing in my mind going right for me. And, uh, I wanted results immediately, but that's just not what happened for me. So, um, leading up to going and doing my fifth step, uh, my sponsor had a family emergency and he went out of town and, uh, we, we had already scheduled to do my fifth step that weekend. And man, I, I'll tell you, that was the closest that I've come to going back out, uh, since I, since I've been in recovery. And whenever he got back, I went up to, uh, my old home group and we sat down and, so many things were identified. I, I just, there's, there's never been a moment in my life where, uh, any, where there's been any like inward thoughts or just like looking at myself in that way. And, you know, I would like to say that I felt like this huge, uh, 
spiritual upheaval, but that's not exactly what happened for me. Um, you know, I felt really good for a, a short period of time because, you know, I, I feel like it was one of those things where uh, you set a you set a goal, you knock it out, and then afterwards, I, I was I was glad about that. But um, you know, I was one of those people that after a lot of these things were identified, it's like uh, you know I did not understand that I was so fearful. Uh, justification has been one of my biggest enemies my entire life, and uh, you know I, I was completely delusional for an extended period of time. But um, after sitting down and identifying these things, it was, it was a very rude awakening for me. I, um, you know, the, the relief of just getting it over with was, was not a lasting one. And, uh, I had this issue of looking at every single thing that I did to extreme detail. And, uh, now that I had some knowledge of my character defects, I would find them in everything that I did. And I kicked myself in the tail all the time. Uh, so the, the fifth step, I, I, I received relief from it for the first time, uh, in my sobriety. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot about myself. Uh, the big book talks about, uh, any, any business is sure, sure to go broke, uh, without, uh, regular inventory. And, you know, I just, that was something that was so foreign to me. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I'm, I'm really grateful that, uh, I had a good sponsor that, uh, sat down and, you know, we did it exactly the way that the big book tells you to do it. And, you know, I, I identified a lot of things and it made it possible for me to continue into the steps that were to come. Yeah. Why did you choose your sponsor to do it with? Um, so that is, that's just the way that this whole thing was presented to me. And not only that, um, I picked a sponsor on the fly. I was I was really bent out of shape whenever uh, I first got into recovery. The moment I got out of treatment, I went to a, a meeting that same night, and I mean, I just I asked someone to be my sponsor in the middle of the meeting. So um, yeah, I I just I, I needed help right then, and it at that point it was my understanding that that was the only way to do it. And not only that, I I, re I respected this man because after after us working together for a short period of time. I got to see that, you know, he, he actually lives what this program's all about. And, you know, I did, I, I wanted what he had as far as like just the, the peace and serenity in his life. And yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really why I picked him. But I think most of all was because the, in my mind, that was the only way to do it. Still the same sponsor. No, no, that, uh, I lived in West Monroe at the time. Oh, okay. And, uh, I do have a new sponsor and he's, uh, you're, really, really you're coming good. up on eight, 18 months. You're working on 18 months, yep. right? Okay. How how long, how far along were you when you did four and five? Two months. Five, two months? Yeah, mm -hmm. About right. And if I, I truly believe if I hadn't, then I'd be gone. Uh, the, the couple days while my sponsor was out of town uh, and I was just sitting there waiting. And one thing that was really cool about him and really cool about my sponsor today any time that I called him, I would either have an answered call or receive a call back. And any time I scheduled uh, step work, it would be within a couple of days. And, uh, you know, I, I found that that was really, really important for me. And that's that's one of the things that I believe makes a good sponsor is just, you know, sure. being willing to sponsor people. <laughs> yeah, and do the work, right? you know. So. Yeah, I, the reason I ask that is um, 
like if you break it down in the in the twelve and twelve um, in different parts, or it maybe even the big book. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But the first thing it really talks about is finding the right person. To, and I understand the way AA was designed at first. You know, you get this book in the mail and you do these things. And sponsors not mentioned in the big book at all, right? And now we do it with our sponsors. Most of us do anyway. And But, you know, I, I, it is a curious question. You know, why pick your sponsor? You can actually do it with anyone. I mean, they have to be alive, obviously. <clears throat> but it's um, it is a question that comes up. You know, so listen to Hayden. I'm going to read this this little bit out of the 12 and 12, and, and I apologize in advance. There's going to be a little bit of reading here on this episode. But um, this practice of admitting one's defects to another person is, of course, very ancient. It has been validated in every century and characterized the lives of all spiritually centered and truly religious people. But today, religion is by no means the sole advocate of this principle. Psychiatrist and um, psychologist point out the deep need every human being has for practical insight and knowledge of his own personal flaws and for a discussion of them with an understanding and trustworthy person. So far as alcoholics are concerned, AA would go even further. Most of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human being, we could not stay sober. It seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsession until we are willing to try this. Is that so? Basically, saying if I don't do this right and I don't tell it all, I'm gonna get drunk. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I got out of it, you know. And I'm just reading the reading and talking about what I got out of it. So, you know, that is um, that's some hardcore stuff, right? What did you get out of doing your fist step? Um, so, what I got out of my fifth step was. Uh, the knowledge of how to uh, do inventory on myself, how to look inside of myself uh, for the for the first time, especially uh, since, you know, I, I look at the way that I grew up and as far as my family went, they just raised me to think that I could do nothing wrong. I was the golden child. Uh, I have a bunch of siblings. All of them were hellions and I was perfect and that, that was the way it was. Uh, so I, I, it gave me an ability to, to look inside of myself um, you know, it gave me a sh- uh, just a small window of relief to where I could continue to uh, work the coming steps. And, um, you know, it it also taught me a lesson about uh, honesty because the anxiety that I had going into my fifth step, um, you know, before I ever even had like a, a true fourth step down, um, you know, I'd read the big book. I'd read parts of the 12 and 12. And in my mind, I knew if I didn't do it properly, then I was going and getting messed up again. Um, so after speaking with my buddy Chris and everything, uh, you know, I was just honest. And I, all of the things that I was scared of just didn't happen. So uh, it, it made it to where I was a bit more comfortable with uh, opening up with someone else. And uh, back to what you were saying about the, um, you know, doing uh, a fifth step with your sponsor – um, I was at a meeting at the time where uh, my sponsor was out of town, and one of my one of my buddies in the program uh, he suggested an emergency fifth step, and that that just being uh, you know knocking it out right then with you know the way that uh, he suggested it was with someone in the program, and he he said that he would do it with me if uh, if it came down to that, and um, 
and it wasn't the first one that he had done. So I, I've seen where that's that's happened. It wasn't uh, a sponsor and sponsee knocking off fit stuff. I've done so. it. I'm, I've had someone, you know, why well, I didn't sponsor, but basically at a, um, I believe it was a noon Sunday meeting <clears throat> many years ago, but they uh, approached me after the meeting and said, can you uh, do my fist step with me? And I said, sure, you know, when you want to do it? <laughs> Today. And I was <laughs> right like, now? No, actually, I said, well, I have, you know, I don't remember what I had to do back then. I think I had to drive to West Monroe and back to back to Bossier in order to do this. But um, we met at 3 o'clock and stayed up there till about 6 and um, did his fist step. You know, I haven't seen him since. I don't know, you know, couldn't tell you. You don't even remember his name. But I have had somebody do that before. So, I mean, it's just, it's not completely um, extinct as far as a practice goes, but it is something that, you know. Can I know, I know too, like, I have friends that are Catholic, and a lot of them do this with their priest. And they just, they do everything else with their sponsor, but, you know. So, it doesn't specify a sponsor in the step, you know. But And, and I'll say, uh, from my experience, I find it very beneficial. And I... I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest anything that I hadn't done. So I mean I I don't I don't suggest that particularly because I, one reason that it was really beneficial for me was um I was fearful that you know my sponsors my first sponsor was old and you know I just in my mind this man there's no way that he had experienced any of the things that I had and to the contrary that that just wasn't the case and him having that experience and the feedback that I received from him, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would have gotten the same experience that I had uh, with someone outside of the program or, you know, just anyone else. Like I think doing it with your sponsor though, I mean, you're doing everything else. This is a growth deal. And so they know what's going on, you know, like we're, they're aware of your stuff too. So. And if you're at this point with your sponsor and you can't trust him, probably yeah. need, need to have another sponsor and maybe yeah. start back over with that process. You know, I don't ask questions. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, do you want to do a fifth step? Right. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to make myself available and say, sure. You know, there might be something going on that, you know, this, that isn't any of my business. Right. But, um, but yeah, I would think that the trust, you know, is, uh, one of the things I got out of my fifth step, is for some reason I felt like after I did it I was it went from me saying you know y'all to us I felt a part of mm -hmm. if that does that kind of yeah, like an initiation absolutely. or yeah something. Yeah. yeah like a, a rite to passage or yeah, something absolutely. like I've shared a beer with my old man you yeah know? yeah <laughs> yeah like after that it was no longer you know when people come in the club and they were like where do i get this slip sign oh they sign them right over there you right know? and then, then it became like we sign them right here that that's right. that's good that's i mean it, it sort of is a like a rite of passage i guess you know and you you see people they one two and three so much and go out and you know that seems to be four and five is where the the, the rubber meets the road, you know? Yeah, I, and it's funny you say that because uh, one one of my buddies, uh, af after, because he would check in on me all the time. He'd be like, man, you done it yet? You done it yet? And whenever I did, he was like, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so, man, I'm, I'm going to try to keep my reading to a minimum, but we can relate our experiences so much to some of the stuff in the 12 and 12. And it says... Um, 
we shall get rid of that terrible sense of isolation we've always had, right? That is one of the fifth step, uh, for lack of a better term, promises, right? And it is almost. It's like once I do it, I have I have become part of instead of being. Ben may not remember this, but I remember when he did step five, he texted me, your boy just knocked out step five. And I was more excited for him than I was when I did mine. I was like, that's awesome, man. We'd been talking about it for so long. And I mean, I'd ask you stuff and then you'd tell me to ask Cal about it. But That's kind of my go-to. Go ask your father. I got no comment. So, Ben, what you got on step five? Man, uh... Like Matt was talking about, I did it with my sponsor just because, I mean, I've trusted them up to this point, and I was going to carry on with him through the rest of the 12 steps, so why not go ahead and do it with him? Um, and, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm having trouble coming off of work right now. How was it with you, man? Your 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 personality is very quiet. Like me, I never shut up, but you're you're more of a – quiet guy you keep things to yourself how was that with you sitting down well, uh, i mean it was it was very nerve-wracking when i went in and sat down and did it with him but uh here let's talk about fourth just to lead into it a little bit because i physically could not start writing for like three weeks i just i knew what i didn't want to be on that paper and I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to put it down because I didn't want, I didn't want it yeah. to be real, I guess. The, uh, and then once I did that, that was kind of allowed me to take a, a breath and relax a little bit. But then when I went, I mean, my hands were shaking driving up to the Koala Club, like my knees got weak walking in and I sat there and shook and sweated and we talked about all this stuff and like the second thing that came out of my mouth was one of the things I didn't really want to talk about and then we talked about it all but after like after we got through the tough stuff I I was able to relax when I walked out of there I felt like I'd done lost 100 pounds and I could breathe again um I don't know man it was it was crazy because for so long and I want to update this uh fifth step just so everybody knows that i've been drinking longer than i thought i had and i told matt this the other day because uh, uh i seen an instagram reel saying hey these songs are 20 years old today or <laughs> this year or whatever and i was like hold up wait that means like if if i started listening to those jesus christ i probably started drinking when i was like five six or seven two like, <laughs> do, and i'm doing tequila shots too like what? not just one like i did a couple of them or whatever and i'm i'm a child doing this shit so i don't know man it's it's to hold on to stuff for that long i mean because my my step five or four and five went all the way back as far as i could remember because uh, i didn't want to leave anything out and i wanted it to I wanted it to be as good as I could the first time, the um, and then so I could just update it as as uh, stuff popped up in the in the future. But dude, it was uh, it was it's crazy just to sit back and look and see how how long I've been doing this this wild shit for, and I don't even have that wild of a story. And that's uh, going through all this. I was worried about 
I had this crazy horror story and then I get to hear other people's stories just sitting in the rooms and whatnot. And it's like, man, it's not that bad. And then when you sit down and you, and you tell somebody about this and you talk about all this stuff and they say, oh, me too, or this is what happened to me, it's puts it all in perspective, man. We're, we're, ain't nobody better or worse than anybody else out there. So, How long did it take you? How long did it take me to go through it with my sponsor? Yeah. Or uh, I think we knocked it out in an hour, a little over an hour. Mm, okay. And you did it up at the club? Yeah. How long did it take you, Hayden? Um, my, so th- this kind of opens up another question for everybody else at the table. But um, So my first fifth step uh, took me probably about two hours. I mean, I just, I had a lot of crap and I, you know. I feel like I put a lot of stuff on there that wasn't really that important. I mean, stuff that I hadn't thought about my entire life. And then, you know, it's just like I'm trying to pick my brain for every little thing. And uh, anyways, we went through a lot of stuff and I don't think was necessary. But my second uh, fifth step um, probably took like an hour, maybe maybe a little bit less. But uh, that, that leads to this question. Um, you know, I did two fit steps within a year, within my first year. And, um, the, the main reason behind that was, uh, you know, I did my first one, uh, with my first sponsor and I did my second one with my second sponsor. And, you know, whenever I picked up a new sponsor with having less than a year of sobriety, uh, we just went through the steps again. There was really no, uh, no specific reason as to why and but i will say i'm i'm a good alcoholic because i had accumulated some uh some resentments in in sobriety you know i not properly executing uh the 10th step and uh yeah i and not only that i accumulated quite a few uh resentments in a very short period of time and that was a 10th step problem we'll we'll talk about that at a later podcast but that's that's definitely what it was um well if you hadn't made it to the 10th step well i had can't really blame the 10th <laughs> step <laughs> i had but uh you know i just wasn't doing it properly i get it i get it so you did two fifth steps within a year yes okay i did the same where I did, did you, the same where did yeah. you do them at just real quick what what like what location Okay, uh, so shout out to New Freedom, uh, West Monroe. Uh, that was where I did my first one, and uh, the my second one I did it in at my sponsor's house in Halton. Okay, so so at, at a clubhouse and at a person's house. Okay, I always find it interesting at the different places that people do a fifth step. You know, yeah, I've never heard anybody doing them in a bar. You know, any of that. You know. I'm sure they get done in jail. There's some things come out of there that may sound like a fifth step, you know. <laughs> in the middle of an AA Late at night. Where I did my fifth step. <laughs> the noon meeting. <laughs> what when a dry eye in the house. <laughs> Once the cops came and got me. Mm. Who's next? I think Jill. Jill. Oh. All right. Um, well, my experience with the fifth step was, uh, I feel like a little different. Um, you know, a lot of you guys... Uh, did it for the first time within the rooms of AA. Mine uh, was in treatment. And um, we did steps one through five there. So when you're graduating the program, you get a temporary sponsor and um, you work the steps. I mean, you go through step five. And so I, I, I like vaguely remember 
I don't remember anything about the fifth step other than I just remembered not too long ago who I did it with. Um, but it was like the McDonald's in Monroe. And so it didn't leave this huge impression on me, nor did I feel as if something grand or spiritual, you know, spiritual happened. Um, and the thing was, every woman before me came back was like, oh, my God, it was so wonderful. Oh, <laughs> the weight of the world is off my shoulders. I mean, I was like, wow, you know. And so I did mine. I was like, but but why don't I, why don't I feel? Well, Jill, the Hamburglar will never be the same. I'm picturing Jill in the kids' playground with somebody else just sitting there with kids. Like, like a little kid throws a ball and hits her head. We know were why. outside on a bench. But anyway. Okay. okay. I, I didn't have that. I mean, I just like, I felt nothing. And so I just came back and I was like, and I remember feeling I did something wrong. I didn't do it right. Yeah, and I, I had that feeling pretty much everything that I did um, in early sobriety, but just because, and I don't know if they were all being, you know, honest or just saying like what the person in front of them said, but I don't, I don't do that. So uh, I just was like, eh. Um, when I left treatment, I got my first sponsor and, uh, she didn't last terribly long cause we did steps six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 in the car from, um, Delhi to Monroe. And, um, and she's like, okay, you're done. And I just remember thinking, damn, yeah, a lot of my, all the girls that are living in the halfway house, I mean, they're like taking months and doing all kinds of stuff. So I, I immediately felt like something was odd. You overachiever. You. <laughs> <laughs> Which is literally, I mean, it was like, okay, done. And, um, and it wasn't even in depth. It, it was, I don't know, looking back on it, that was so random. Like, what the your hell? First fist yes. Okay. So, you know, I got, I get back to the halfway house and they're all like, yeah, you know? And so at that point they're like, you need to find another sponsor. Like this is, and you know, what's even, you know, what's interesting is her mother was the, uh, ran those halfway house, the halfway house I lived in. And she even told me not to use her daughter. And so, um, but I just thought she was really cool. Um, so anyway, I ended up, they're like, you need to find a new sponsor. And I, I can't remember when this was, but this was a, uh, uh, probably around month five or six or something. But I did. I was on the lookout and I had my eye on one woman. She was always happy. I knew that she was a minister. I also knew she was a professional counselor and that she had over 20 years sober. I mean, I wanted all the shit. Like, you need to be qualified to help me. And I thought she was just the person to do so. And so I asked her, and then she took me through the steps. Uh, she actually took me through the steps twice in my first, like, five years or so. But um, she was amazing. And we did the steps slow, actually really slow, because I started procrastinating. And, you know, there's there was a guy and blah, blah, blah. Um I I want to say that going through my fifth step was was incredibly interesting because I never had the insight to realize that I had a part in any of this. And I mean probably like a lot of people do. And so having to figure that out was like, huh? 
you know, I mean, and, and they just really had explained it to me over and over and over again. Cause like, I didn't know that was a thing. And so that took me a while to actually like comprehend. Cause I was so just like, they did it. They pissed me off, you know, and that's why I hate them or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I didn't talk like a robot then, <laughs> but, um, it, <laughs> Anyway, when did that change? <laughs> <laughs> At what point in recovery did they piss me off? Because I ran across a couple that did, and I just thought maybe it was a fraternity thing. It happened just now. <laughs> just I mean, you know, just stuff just happens. Shit. Fist step promise. Right. Uh, so, anyway, um, she was able to guide me through that because I needed guidance on that. Like, even while we were going, you know, through it. And, and, and like a lot of you guys say, um, you know, there was one thing I was going to take to my grave, like for sure, hands down. And I finally told her my second go around and she was just like, so, I mean, she didn't say that, but that's kind of the attitude I picked up. I was like, damn, okay. Oh, I'll be damn. And I haven't really, I haven't even thought about it since. It was kind of a great thing, um, to, to get that off my chest, but, um, you know, what it did was just, I gained a lot of insight into me and my motives. Um, I realized that I was a selfish asshole, which I wouldn't have told you I was selfish because, like I said, I did kind things and I loved people. And, but there probably was some type of like, what do I get in return for stuff? And it wasn't exactly pure. Um, but, to learn how how was dishonest with myself and how selfish I was and how much fear controlled my life was was outstanding um, to be honest with you because I just never thought those were things and by learning all of that I could change you know I could get of course move through the other steps you know ask those to be removed and all and and learn how to uh, do life without all those uh, defects of character. Um, but thank God for that, for the fifth step. Uh, that's crucial. It really is. And, um, yeah, I mean, that last time with Marla, she looked at me and said, you're a brat. And I got a resentment. I remember I was pissed. I was like, bitch, what? Wait, what? Me a brat? I was absolutely a brat. Um, but no one ever told me that to my face. Um, she was nice that first time around, but that second time around, she, I mean, she got me. And so, um, you know, that's my experience with the fifth step. You know, I've taken a lot of women through it. There's a majority of women that have not called me afterwards. Um, I've had the same problem. Yeah. I mean, we'll be going like, ditto. So we're going, everything's going great. Did that fifth step crickets and so uh but yeah i mean i was i'll there's something that's really interesting that i've learned that is something i do when i go through the steps every single time and it starts happening during the fifth step and the fourth step the fifth step is i'm focusing so much on you know my motives under you know all these fears and resentments and everything that i start it's almost like my character defects come out to play like in a very rude way. Um, I, I get into fear all of a sudden again, I start, uh, they, I, I just, I feel like I'm going crazy at that point. 
Um, it's really weird. I've done it every single time I've gone through the steps and then, you know, you move into what, uh, six and seven. And then that's when that, all that crazy gets, you know, kind of taken away, uh, which is, you know, super cool. But I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever experienced that? It's almost like they come back cause you're focusing so much on them. Your, um, character defect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and man, I hate to, I hate to spoil a future episode, but, um, None of my character defects, when I got to six, none of my character defects disappeared. Matter of fact, they were more or less glaring. Okay, so well, I don't mean it like that. Oh, okay. You mean over time? So Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if, that's what I was saying. They're, they're glaring at yeah. that point when I went in. I mean, to the point of, like, I can't ha- – this is obnoxious. Right. Uh, and, you know, my experience with that is uh, it's kind of like uh, what I was saying about the way that – I overanalyzed everything that I did. And mm-hmm. it's like, now I have knowledge of these things. I had no idea that they were there before. So whenever sure. they crop up, it's like, now I can tell whenever these things are happening. Uh, and that's just not experience that I had in the past. So yeah, I, I had the, I've had and still have the same thing where it's like one of these things will pop up and it's like, now I know about it. So now I can identify it. Right. Isn't that weird? It's almost, yeah. uh, well, bewildering. It's like, so all this is when you find out that something exists that you never thought existed and you're like, whoa, that'd be like if someone was to show you an alien and we're, and we're like, oh, wow, oh, God, they are real. Or, you know, Sasquatch. Exactly. They're really, they're but real. they're like, they're real. here's this. You have a part like, say what? I work with one. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's another podcast. I got a lot of other podcast ideas, but uh, Sasquatch. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, you know, and two, I think the thing with taking the step now, you know, as it, as time goes on and you've done, and we've done all the steps, of course, but from starting with that one, really, you do get a different perspective and you look back and go, what's going on with me? That's always my mm-hmm. deal. It's like, what? why am I, why am I irritated? Why am I pissed off? Why am I in self-pity and all these other little things that love to pop up? And I go, how did I handle this? What was what was my root in the the, the problem here? Yeah, what was and, my payoff? Yeah, and so it's it's good because what it's done is it's taught me to evaluate almost on the spot. Like it doesn't go very long because I don't like that feeling when I have those aggravated all that. I, I I'm pretty quick to go. What's going on? Like, did you do that right before you got here? No, I was working on that as I walked in. Oh, so, man. so uh, it's. But you know, hey, uh, progress not. Some, well, I mean, I, I can't go but so fast. So <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they pile up on me. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. I'm aware of it today instead of it being this years of crap that I just ignored. Yeah. And let pile and then just it's like a, a mountain you can't move, you know, and uh, so I can almost look at each thing and go, OK, I'm going to put this over here. And not that they always just disappear in the blink of an eye, but, you know, I at least know where I need to go with it um, or there's a process there to do it. But um, my my fifth was in the truck and a boat combination of uh, my sponsor uh, going fishing. And uh, we had a long ride up to where we were fishing, and we started it in there and kind of spent the afternoon talking about it and going going through it. Uh, and it took basically an afternoon 
uh which was great i mean it was perfect place to do it and out in the open and not a rush no phones going off and just I like that. Well. oh i know i do too um bobby's awesome let me put that out there. right the only but, uh, reason it took a whole afternoon is because they were waiting on matt to well bobby food. kept telling me go well <laughs> If you're waiting on that, you'll never go home, brother. <laughs> We'd still be out there. So you're that but, bad. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not just, the greatest. I'm just <laughs> Bobby can fill you in on the details, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it. For me, I never expected that sitting in a treatment center. That's something that I loved as a kid growing up, and had gotten away from would be part of my sobriety when I got older, and such a big thing of like I get out there and I can slow down and things tend to slow down and you're not in a rush and so yeah i was i was uh you know i was worried i was going to throw up in his truck when he finally made me pull the stuff out and start reading through it you know and, and admitting all this stuff but um once you get started you know it's no stopping and i and i hear a lot of people talk about this light shining down and this experience and i think that's awesome if you had it i did not have that i had a weight that was that was gone and disappeared from from getting rid of that stuff and talking to somebody else about it and like hayden said as men that's not what we do okay we just don't do that so um it's just bury it yeah be a man man, you know yeah exactly and it's like yeah now you're not a man you're a terrorist because you've been burying all this (laughs) stuff forever you know and yeah, and so it's like, I don't know how it is for women. Maybe it is, but with guys, that is, you know, and you're telling, I'm telling this guy stuff my parents don't know, my wife at the time doesn't know, nobody knows, you know, and he still knows all that stuff, and they still don't know all that stuff, and that that was a big deal for me, and it was, um, it was, I kind of felt like Mike said, I kind of felt like, man, I'm part of the group, man, you know, like done done this but i didn't have the the um you know god riding down from heaven on a chariot when that happened and and i'm gonna leave this in the vaguest of details because i don't want to cross the line with it but i was involved with a with another fifth step mike was talking about listening to other people's and this was all on the up and up and the person doing it was was they they were all okay with it so it involved a boat and it involved me being in that boat with the other people doing that step. And this person did think that the sky was going to roll back. Like he was convinced that when this happened and, uh, and it didn't happen that day either. Cause I was out there. So I didn't feel as bad that it didn't happen for me, you know? Um, but, uh, that was also awkward when you're not the sponsor or the sponsee. Yeah. It was a, that was a awkward. I've never heard. I'd never had thing. either. And I had about five minutes notice when it happened. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> like, I was thinking, how deep is the water? Can I just dive in and <laughs> swim away? <laughs> Will they miss me? So, uh, no, they were, they had already talked about it. And when we had scheduled this thing and then I got in with them and they were like, Hey, we're going to do this today. And I was like, what? And so were you like, it you was, okay with this? You okay? yeah, I did. I was like, hold on, man. You know, like, I don't want to. You know, and the and the both people were like, No, 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 no. It's it's fine. And so, um, you know, that was that was strange, but welcome welcome to sobriety, you know. But uh um but yeah, it, it was definitely for me to to talk to another person 
uh, you know, another man and go, Hey, this is, this is, you know, my, my issues. And then him almost immediately go, what'd you do there? Like, and I'm going, wait a minute. Didn't you hear what happened? You didn't hear the story I just had on this. And he goes, no, nah, let's back up. And then we start picking apart, you know, and I go, Ooh, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. So, uh, but you know, it's kind of gave me a way to look at it today. So I'm pretty grateful for that. So, um, five years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the five years, you've had the same sponsor the whole time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, have you only worked the fifth step one time? One time. Right on. Yeah. Uh, I hear, I hear about other people's experiences and everything. And, uh, you know, there's like that group of people that are really big on, oh, you need to do it however often, you know, once a year, just whatever. And uh, then I, I hear about people with an extended period of uh, sobriety uh, share that they've only done it the one time or maybe, you know, one, uh, one other time after uh, some years or something like that. And, um, you know, my sponsor put it to me like this. He was like, you know, we could all have different kind of pools and we could all say like, yeah, this pool is great, but, uh, it's just, it's all about your experience. So for me, um, the, I guess the main reason why, if I wanted to do another one would, uh, be the same reason why I had, uh, that I did my second one in the first place is, uh, you know, just a 10 step problem. And, um, Anyways, yeah, that's that's. And that's I think, <clears throat> I think too, and we're talking about all these steps. And what's important is, uh, and y'all know me, but but I am by no means the perfect example of how a human beings should live and act. Okay, and I go through life every day that way. So all these steps, there's there's a step there to work with an issue that you have in life, and I don't necessarily sit down and write out a fifth step. But I have got I've got in the truck. I've joked about this before. I've got in the truck with my sponsor to go on a fishing trip out of the blue. And he just looks over at me and says, you got a defect. And he starts in on that. And I'm like, wait a minute. who? What are we doing here? You know, like. Oh, so he calls you out. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what do you think you are? My sponsor or something? You know, <laughs> no, I'm. But, but he's dead on the money. And I'm like, you know, I do. And it's something that's kind of came up over time. It hasn't been. You know, it wasn't obvious at first, and as we've gone along, and man, I really respect what he has to say. I'm kind of joking about it now, but I mean, I was like, okay, and instead of reacting or getting upset or going, who, you know, who do you think you are telling me something? I, I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, he's right. He's right on the money, and I worked on it. So, um, that's that's good, man. I actually like that kind of stuff. But there's always pieces of steps and small things that that you you got to work on amends and all that other stuff down the road too you know so you know so we talked a little bit earlier about some of the stuff we get from doing the fifth step well um here in the 12 and 12 i was just reading this this vital step was also the means by which we began to get the feeling that we could be forgiven no matter what we had thought or done, often it was while working on this step with our sponsors or spiritual advisors that we first felt truly able to forgive others, no matter how deeply we felt they had wronged us. Any of y'all ever get that? Anybody? Okay. I felt like I did. I mean, like, I felt like if she was okay with it, like, anybody would be. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, the more... 
more on becoming a part of AA right here in this fifth step, right? When we reached AA for the first time in our lives, stood among people who seemed to understand. The sense of belonging was tremendously exciting. We thought the isolation problem had been solved, like from the get-go, right, before step one. But we soon discovered that while we weren't alone anymore in a social sense, we still suffered many of the old pangs of anxious apartness. Until we had talked with complete candor of our conflicts and had listed, listened to someone else do the same thing, we still didn't belong. Step five was the answer. It was the beginning of true kinship with man and God. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Goes, you know, it goes to speak back to where this is where I become a part of. Yeah, I, it, I'm sure, you know, results may vary, you know, but this is for me, it was the step where I became a part of. Matter of fact, I think service work was when I started doing service work, probably right after step five. And um, somewhere in there is whenever I actually started taking people's invitations to go do stuff. You know, my sponsor and my grand sponsor asked me every week to go golfing. And for the first year, maybe maybe eight months, whatever it was, I don't remember, but I wouldn't go. You know, their their recovery um, kind of scared me. Like, they, they just had so much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimidated me. Their, their recovery intimidated me. They were a lot older than I was, so in my head, I'm thinking they're a lot wiser than I am. And... You know, and then they want to go play golf, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a good golfer. And I, so I'm thinking I'm going to hold the game up. All they're going to talk about is recovery. But somewhere in there, I, I did the, I did the fifth step. And I think, you know, and it could have been after six or seven. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I know it was after five that I started taking these guys up on doing outside stuff, right? Doing stuff outside of the, uh, outside of the norm. And I did my first fifth step with uh, my very first sponsor, Dale. And um, it was at the Koala Club. And I'll be totally honest with you, man. I went in, I went into that fifth step still thinking that my only problem was drinking. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done any of this stuff if I wasn't drinking. You know, period. I just didn't do bad stuff. You know, I'm just not a bad dude unless I'm drinking, you know. And that was my thought process. Even going into the fifth step, even after looking at all that stuff in the fourth step and after all this. And uh, it took uh, it took him actually drawing it out of me. You know, we started when I was five. And um, that's about, about as far back. I can remember some things, you know, as early as two. I lived in Alaska when I was two, and I can remember some things. You know, obviously not doing anything bad, but um, started when I was five and kind of worked our way up to where I was at that particular time, which was I was 38 years old whenever I got into the rooms. Um, another thing that um, the big book, not the, I'm sorry, the 12 and 12 talks about when we're reading step five. And I, I wish I had my actual book. I don't. I have an iPad that I'm reading on. But this is a, a line that I use quite often whenever I'm in the rooms of AA. Another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility. A word often misunderstood to those who have made progress in AA, and here it is. 
It amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. And that is the AA definition of humility right there. I like it. And we learn it in step five. You know, step five has so many benefits to it. You know, it's kind of like if you if you if you get, win a free trip on the Price is Right or something, but you just go and don't get out and ride the jet skis or whatever it is. You're just you know you're just doing it to say, hey, I did it. Man, there there really is like emotional benefits, spiritual benefits, personal benefits. A lot of stuff changes in step five, and I've heard a lot of people say it changes in step six as well. And you know, too, coming into AA and coming out of treatment, and never been to a meeting in my life before then. Talking about step five, carrying it a little step further, is I just sit in an open meeting, and these people that that you know are in recovery and they're they've done their steps, the things they share in there, I was just in in front of everybody, and I was like, "Well, what did he say?" I was like, "Did y'all hear that?" You know, and I, and then I realized they had what got me was I realized they had done these things, they recognized them, they had dealt with it, mm-hmm. and they had moved on, and they were okay, and. That was the biggest thing for me when I first came in was going, how are all these people like this open about everything? Like I would never tell that, you know, or I would never say I did, you know. Yeah. And that's exactly like once you do that, you know, you're like, oh, well, I can talk about these things, too. Yeah. It you know, sort stride. of breaks the ice, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, for, yeah. At first I was like, man, that's that's. Weird I always pick on Randy T, but Randy was great. Like I oh. loved him sharing when I first came oh, in. Yeah, I mean he was great because he was so funny. But he would, but he would get yeah. to the point, you know. And it's like, man. And then it was funny on top of that. And I'm just like, how is this dude like alive? You know, <laughs> like he did all this stuff, you know, and he's just the most, uh, you know, mild mannered guy. But it's like, man, he I just love tells, hearing him talk. Oh, I do. <laughs> man, he's just he's awesome. Well, but, I'll tell you, when I first got to the club. Um, quick story. I was, I was sitting across from, um, I was sitting right in the middle across from where the chairman sits every day. Right. And, um, for those in other cities, we just have a chairman. We don't have a moderator. We just have one person at the table and I sat directly across and the chip guy would sit to the right. And the chip guy, the guy who passed out the chips, would always, I felt like he was staring at me. It's almost like that, you know, that picture of Jesus in your grandma's house that the eyes move, you know, no matter where you go, it's looking at you. I felt like he was looking at me at all, like, intervals of my moving around. And so I, was, I was getting freaked out, you know. And um, later, we would become friends, and he just recently passed away um, about maybe a year ago. But um, the chip guy. So anyway, uh, I moved up to this chair that I sit in now, just happened to be, Randy was sitting in the same chair he's been sitting in for 20 years, <laughs> just happened to be sitting by Randy. And I remember him starting off the conversation with me, you know, hey, what's going on, man? You know, what's, yeah. what, what brings you in here? And as we would go through the years, the seven and a half years I sat at that chair, that's how that we would talk. We would just, well, I got this going on at work, you know, and at first I didn't want to say nothing or just, you know, I don't understand this. And, you know, I remember him saying, yeah, it all seems kind of hokey, doesn't it? It just really seems hokey, <laughs> you know. And, and then it gets to the point where somebody would be a newcomer and I may have three or four months. He might go talk to him, man. You need to go talk to that dude right now. You don't want him leaving. You better get him before he leaves, you know. And, 
And I did not want to do that. I was very uncomfortable, but I'd go grab somebody and introduce myself, you know, and then service work and all that. Randy has always been an indirect sponsor. Um, and I've said it a million times, you know, I felt like sometimes like the guy saved my life. You know, Phil, I'm part of the group too. Uh, so I come in and, and I got a wife and kids and, and little kids and I'm just hanging over dear life early on, you know, and was home one night, uh, didn't really do much with the club, man. I came in, you know, I had a sponsor, but came in, sat down, went to the meeting, went straight home, did what I had to do. Um, you know, I didn't know anything that was going on at the club or I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. And, uh, one night, um, I was just irritated and, and kids and everything. I was just feeling weird. And I thought, man, I'm just going to go up there. I don't know what time the meetings are, but I'm going to go up there. Well, they had an inner group. I didn't know what inner group was. And I walk up, I pull up and there's a bunch of cars, you know, and, and, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm maybe like four or five months, um, sober. And I kind of go in that side door cause it was propped open. And, uh, I'm like, I don't know what this is. There's a bunch of people in here and they're all doing all this stuff. And Randy's standing right there and he goes, Hey man, can you go up there and get some ice? Can you get bags of ice? And I was like, yeah. And I didn't even know Randy, you know, I just knew he was in the club all the time. And I'm like, uh, yeah. So I go get ice and I come back and he, we unload the ice. And man, I sat there and talked to Randy for probably an hour and a half that night, just hanging out, you know? Yeah. And it just kind of that moment passed. And that's just kind of how Randy is, you know? And, uh, um, I had a guy get out of treatment recently and I wasn't at going to be at the meeting and the guy said, Hey man, I'm getting out and, and I'm going straight to the half past five. Are you going to be there? And I said, man, I'm at work. There's no way I'll be there on short notice. And he goes, is there anybody there? And that's the person I thought of. And I said, there's a guy named Randy. And I said, just go in there and ask for Randy and go sit by him. So he gets there and he goes, there's a bunch of people here. He texts me and he goes, there's a bunch of people here and I don't know which one's Randy. And I said, look for the guy that looks like Steve Martin. <laughs> and about 10 <laughs> seconds later, he texts me back. He goes, got him. <laughs> and I was like, yep. There's so, only one Randy. And Randy got him a big book, made him sit by him. I didn't even give Randy any notice that the guy was coming in. I said, just tell him Matt sent you over there. And so Randy, you know, did what he does, you know, but good people. Well, I'm going to read one more thing. This feeling of being at one with God and man, this emerging from isolation through the open and honest sharing of our terrible burden of guilt, brings us to a resting place where we may prepare ourselves for the following steps towards a full and meaningful sobriety. So, if you didn't hear anything we said, you need to be thorough, say it all, tell it all, get it out of your mind, get it out of your heart, get it out of whatever it's in. Um, because... Um, the, the, the more thorough you are, the better we're, you're going to feel. And I can say that from personal experience. That's not just me talking. So, good episode, guys, um, and Jill. Uh, I'd like to thank our listeners again from the United Kingdom, Taiwan. What's her name? Anne? Anne. Thanks, Anne. Ireland. Thank you, Ireland. Australia. Denmark. Saudi Arabia. And Canada. So, so far, we're still at the same amount of countries as we were on the last time we updated that. But I really do like to, to, to mention the, the other countries that listen to us. And we got some a couple of shout-outs here. I got to find them. But um, our, we, did, we haven't gotten any emails lately. Sure would like to get some as soon as possible. Um, so one thing I am going to throw in there, though, is that uh, um, our listener, Judy... 
um, her and Larry, who Larry is is a member. Um, Judy is, you know, his fiance. And uh, we don't have any French members out Sounds there. Sounds fancy, man. Yes, fiance, <laughs> chateau. But anyway, they will be getting <laughs> married on September the 9th. Cool. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, Judy has reached out to me and asked if before they get married that um, I will share my story on the podcast. Absolutely. That'd be so I'm going to – it'll be a bonus episode. I'm not going to take up a regular episode with my story. I tell my story quite often. But I will tell my story uh, probably with the help of Matt and Jill one day over the next few days – um, obviously, after this one airs, which will be on Monday, but um, but I'm going to do that, and that's going to be just for Larry and Judy. Um, Shout-outs again, Amy C. and Lacombe, always a loyal listener. Miss Faye, Miss Michelle, Judy and Larry again, Jane R. Hey, Jane. Yeah, Jane. <laughs> and uh, today, she uh, I text her, you know, she wanted to know when we was going to release another episode, and I had to text her and tell her we released one today, so... Um, don't forget about our voicemail. Still haven't got the first voicemail. I would love for somebody to be the first voicemail that we play on the air. Because once I get it, i got to figure out how to set it up before I can play it on the air, right? Um, that number is 985-377-4816. And don't forget we have an email. And that is bngbozier at gmail.com. Would love to hear your ideas and what you want. Oh, I forgot about Rhonda and Kim on them shout-outs as well. So, Miss um, Faye. And I talked about Miss oh, Faye. Okay, I got you. I'm, and our I wasn't next, listening. Our next episode. What's our next episode, Matt? Why do you do this to me every time, man? Willingness. Willingness. Leading off into that Always sixth making step. me pay attention. Well, you know, attention is, is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, if that's what you're paying, you're doing pretty good, buddy. <laughs> So, again, thanks to all our listeners, and um, look forward to hearing from some of you soon enough. Signing off from Bossier City, this is The Grouch and the Brainstorm.